Welcome to another edition of ATL Alts. This is your host, Andre Sindate. Thank you for joining us. ATL Alts is a podcast for those interested in learning about alternative investments and alternative asset classes through interviews with investors, asset owners, and industry practitioners. ATL Alts explores venture capital, private equity, real estate, credit, distressed investing, hedge funds, digital assets, infrastructure, and much more through interviews with subject matter experts, founders, and others. I thank you for joining me, and let's jump in to today's show. As I mentioned in our last episode, I'm going to spend time this year talking about specialty finance. I would encourage you to go to my Substack at sandate.substack.com. That's S-A-N-D-A-T-E dot substack.com. And subscribe if you're interested in this conversation related to specialty finance. Post two, a closer look. According to Prequin, total assets and private credit are expected to increase to $2.3 trillion by 2027, up from $1.6 trillion in 2020. Plenty of articles and reports reference and examine these figures, and I will share a few of those on the blog, and you can also find them easily via a Google search. An article from Queen's Business Review states that private credit and golden age generate 17,000 results. What I want to focus on is a smaller but rapidly growing piece of this market called specialty finance. This space is harder to get figures on and more challenging to understand, especially if you are trying to raise your first few million dollars of debt financing. Lending companies, debt capital markets, credit facilities, collateral, covenants, loan tapes, buy boxes, advance rates, eligibility criteria, all of it is a recipe for passers-by to alts and private credit to venture elsewhere. This is fine and to be expected, candidly, because of the niche, complex, idiosyncratic, and specialized nature of the lending. Much of the growth in private credit is expected to come from direct lending, sponsor finance, mezzanine, and the four food groups of real estate debt. But asset-backed lending strategies, also known as specialty finance or spec fin, I predict will also grow meaningfully in the years ahead. This blog at sendate.substack.com is dedicated to supporting those who want to better understand, access, and network with peers in spec fin and because of where I've spent time in fintech lending, capital markets, and some of its earlier innovative and messier stages. In this second post, I want to go in depth to begin a breakdown of this often overlooked area of private credit. What are these spec fin strategies? What are the underlying assets? Why is this area of private credit growing so quickly? How are these loans originated? How are they underwritten? Who are the new originators in this space? How do fintech lenders fit into this area? What are the lenders to these lenders looking at when they make a credit decision? And where do banks fit into this discussion? Let's take these in reverse. First, where do banks fit into the specialty finance discussion? Here's my take. Specialty finance has been around a long time but it really grew after the 2007-2008 global financial crisis when regulations, accounting rule changes, and tighter, more burdensome capital requirements led many banks 
simply to retreat. Combined with 2023 bank failures, commercial and consumer deposit flight, which caused stress at even more banks, additional regulations, and additional Basel III rules, all proved to be wind in the sail for a different type of financial institution to fill the void. The new SpecFin lender wasn't the bank down the street, but was instead the private credit fund, hedge fund, alternative asset manager, or fintech lender. Banks haven't gone away by any means, and some remain quite active in providing warehouse facilities, particularly to Series A and later stage fintech startups. How big is the spec fin market? Here's my take. It really depends, and I hate that answer. Below are three estimates from informed sources on the matter. I will let you be the judge. Safe to say it's pretty darn big when it involves trillions of dollars. Private debt investor Pimco and Ares, and the Ares piece is dated from 2017, but it did suggest there were 400 plus specialty finance firms. I am looking for an updated list as of 2024. If anyone has it, I would love to get a copy. Suffice to say, there are hundreds of specialty finance companies. If you go to the Substack, you can see a chart on one of the Aries reports, which shows a drop in securitization volume in 2008 coincides with a rapid increase in the number of specialty finance companies. What are the drivers of growth? Well, here's my take. It really comes down to things like regulation, Basel III rules, bank failures, investors that are hunting and demanding more yield or income, but also technology, fintech innovation, and changing consumer behavior. What are the strategies specifically in specialty finance? Well, here's my take. Asset-based finance is increasingly taking place outside of banks and traditional lending institutions. Examples include auto loans, student loans, loans to SMBs or small and medium-sized businesses, consumer loans, elective medical procedures, home improvement, equipment leasing, and more. Future posts will explore some of the drivers behind the growth in these areas, but the biggest reasons, according to a piece by PIMCO and many others cited in the blog, include, among other things, regulation, shrinking balance sheets at banks who are once active in those asset classes mentioned a moment ago, New accounting rules and additional factors include the growth in fintech and fintech lending from specialized tech-forward lenders and also banks who are focused in this booming area. Additional areas include advances in how data is captured and utilized in underwriting and risk management decisions, certainly the boom in VC and M&A investment, even with the pullback in the venture asset class the past couple of years and changing consumer preferences. What are the lenders to the SpecFin lenders looking for as they expand or double down in some of the emerging niche strategies within SpecFin? And let's make sure we understand this question. So what I'm saying is, what are the lenders to the FinTech originators or to the specialty finance companies looking for when they underwrite and extend capital? Behind the SpecFin lenders typically uh, a warehouse uh, lender, a asset-based lender that is providing debt financing so that those companies can in turn make loans. Well, here's my take. 
One potential setup for SpecFin lenders is financing assets and originators with some combination of the following. So again, these are what I believe are some of the criteria that SpecFin lenders are using to underwrite these originators. I think it comes down to a combination of the following. What's their niche? Do they have a specialization? Um, is the asset lesser correlated? Um, is there not an overwhelming amount of capital pursuing this space, but enough capacity to justify getting involved? Is there a team that possesses some distinctive edge in how they get deal flow, also known as originations or sourcing of loans? Plus, do they have a minimum amount of tape or loans they've actually made? Do they have a green light on all existing regulations and little to no headline risk potentially in that space? Is the area that they're active in reasonably complex so as not to attract a flood of competitors? And is it differentiated enough to offer returns and yields and excess spread that investors and lenders characterize as durable, at least for a period of time? And lastly, is it idiosyncratic or is it, is it different? One more thing lenders to fintech lenders and specialty finance companies look for is capacity. With all the money that has flooded into private credit in the past decade, having relationships with originators who can scale from those first few million up to 10 million and then 100 million in annual volume, eventually to a quarter of a billion and then eventually a billion dollars a year, that's the goal. Examples of these niche specialized strategies include variations of MES and preferred equity real estate lending, gap financing in the media and entertainment industry, aircraft and marine finance, life insurance premium finance, royalties, litigation finance, intellectual property, NAV financing or fund finance, SaaS financing, various forms of fintech lender financing, certainly embedded financing, and many more. How are these loans originated? Well, here's my take. Over the past 15 years, the number of specialty finance lenders and originators of these asset-backed loans has increased significantly. Check out the Substack for an old Aries report about some of this data. Origination strategies vary from fintech lenders using digital marketing strategies to drive borrower traffic to creating a direct sales force to originate loans. Because of the specialized and sometimes off the run nature of the assets, as well as the underwriting, collateral, data, potential for recovery in the event of default, regulatory considerations, servicing, administration, and capital market dynamics, originations take on a different complexion than larger, more established subcategories of private credit. Access to high volumes of qualified borrowers, sufficient amounts and flexibility of debt financing, cash on hand to fund CAC, or overhead spending, the use or not of technology and sourcing, underwriting, and managing the expertise of the team, the use or not of technology and sourcing, underwriting, and managing loans, and the expertise of the team 
in managing smaller balance, but high volumes of loans are just a few of the key factors for specialty finance companies. Question, how are these loans underwritten? My take. First, let's look at this from the standpoint of the originator or the company making the loans to the SMB, to the consumer, et cetera. And then let's look at it from the standpoint of the private credit lender or asset manager or one of the primary financing sources for these earlier stage, smaller, and particularly newer specialty finance companies. This is a side note. Respected trade press like the ABF Journal and Asset Backed Alert cover the middle and upper ends of the specialty finance market where the largest deals and largest lenders are playing. That segment of the market won't be the primary focus of my blog. Different factors, considerations, and issues are at play when you talk securitization and bigger loan volumes. This space can't be totally ignored either because many firms starting out in the specialty finance ecosystem or as a fintech originator aspire to grow and get to these capital markets one day. The specfin lender or originator, again, which are companies making loans across the specfin market, employ various underwriting approaches depending primarily on the underlying collateral. What are they financing? Underwriting specialized real estate possesses different characteristics than aircraft, software subscriptions, or litigation. FinTech lenders who are launching a new lending solution from scratch have many more options and decisions to make and get right as they attempt to grow their loan book. Matt Burton, formerly of QED, wrote a nice paper on building a loan business back in December 2019 that is worth checking out. And that again is available at my Substack. The lender to spec fins or fintech originators, again, lenders who finance these companies and the fintechs making loans as a part of their business, look at a variety of factors that are worthy of a future post, probably several. This isn't an exhaustive list by any means and definitely not advice, but it's just a starting point. For the younger company, these debt capital providers will look not only at the experience of the team and their ability to grow originations to a meaningful size, and again, scale starts in the tens, eventually hundreds of millions, and then the goal is to get to a billion dollars of origination volume annually. But first, at the loans already originated, that's the focus, and that's the loan tape or the tape. They're looking at the performance and the profitability of that loan tape, the underlying literally unit economics, the performance and profitability of the loan tape on a per loan basis, the underwriting criteria or the credit box or buy box, the quality of data that goes into making a lending decision, its accuracy, completeness, and the outputs from the firm's accounting and finance function, the depth of all record keeping and evidence of security or collateral, the existence of a regulatory memo or opinion and which law firm prepared it, origination capabilities to adjacent markets or even foreign markets, servicing models, 
backup servicing? Has that been thought out? Examples and the outcomes of foreclosures, lending policies and procedures, and other internal controls. And I would also add, are they documented? What kind of cash runway does the company have? Who are the software vendors? What's the tech stack? Does the company have a detailed pro forma financial model? Getting a lender, particularly at the early stages, to provide financing to a spec fin or tech-enabled lender in smaller size. Again, asset-backed credit facilities of 15 to 20 million are more common than ones of one to five can be particularly challenging. Getting your first few million to make loans is worth several future posts, I stayed in the blog, and we will go there in the future. These smaller companies are the future spec fins and fintech lenders, and they need the resources, which include knowledge, connections, partnerships, I would also add capital. And I hope that my blog and related content like episodes of this podcast can help provide that. Who are the new originators in this space? Here's my take. Fintech lenders and specialty finance companies have proliferated in the past 15 years. A Google search will populate various lists and market maps available on the Substack blog are neat visuals. PitchBook and others do great versions. They outline providers of specialty finance or, or lending, but again, these are by no means exhaustive or necessarily always current. As a former banker, one of the unique aspects of the specialty finance space that I find compelling is that it combines a needed entrenched financial services solution, i.e. making asset-based loans, which have been around a long time and aren't going to go away. It's big and growing. It's undergoing change due to technology and new originations. I think it's particularly fun working in the fintech and tech-enabled lending space, where these groups are aiming to employ technology to get and stay ahead. Despite my optimism, risks loom. It has been said many times and is worth repeating, making loans is easy. Getting repaid is the harder part. One feature of the blog will be sharing public resources and information about SpecFin that attempts to further highlight the firms, executives, and market participants finding success and innovating. Who are the newer firms making money and in the business of making loans? Can these firms be profitable sooner with more industry access, technology, or partnerships? Is the staffing and OPEX required to build a fintech lender between tech, originations, customer support and success, compliance, and everything else necessitating larger and larger amounts of venture capital? These are great questions we will explore in the posts ahead. Question, how are banks participating in the specialty finance market? Here's my take. On the Substack on page eight, I attached an LSTA presentation, which stands for the Loan Sales and Trading Association. On page eight of that presentation on the Substack blog, I outlined some activities where banks are active in the private credit market. 
which includes specialty finance, of course. Banks remain active in this area, and activity includes regulatory relief trades, portfolio sales, the establishment of new partnerships with alternative asset managers and private credit firms, and venture debt financing. I mentioned earlier providing warehouse facilities to more mature fintech lenders. So there are a lot of areas uh, where banks remain active. I won't sleep on banks, and I hope to highlight where banks are supporting this area more specifically with interviews in future shows. Stay tuned. If this substack is helpful and you want to read more posts, I encourage you to subscribe. You can find the substack at sandate.substack.com. That's S-A-N-D-A-T-E.substack.com. And I'd encourage you to please drop me a note and subscribe. If you'd like to get in contact with me and you have a suggestion about a future show topic or somebody that I had an interview for ATL Alts, please send me an email to andres at atlalts.com. That's A-N-D-R-E-S at atlalts.com. The ATL Alts podcast is for those interested in learning about the alternative investment and alternative asset class through interviews with investors, asset owners, and industry practitioners. We explore topics like venture capital, private equity, real estate, credit, infrastructure, hedge funds, digital assets, and more. The first few shows of this year, I am pulling content from my Substack, and I hope that you find this helpful and beneficial, and perhaps something you can forward along to somebody in the space. Thank you for joining me today. Everybody be safe, healthy, and have a great 2024.